0: Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Inspiration, a ministry of encouragement from Crestview Baptist Church in Canton, North Carolina. We want to share with you sweet songs of worship and an uplifting word from the scriptures. While you listen, may the spirit of grace flow from
1: heaven into your heart and home.
2: brow, a crown of sorrow, for a king whose weakness was our strength. No word he spoke, his love was
0: Back with you today, and I'm going to be finishing the 11th chapter of Daniel. I'm so thankful for our musicians and the beautiful worship music and the atmosphere of worship that prepares our hearts to receive God's Word. I want to briefly review our detailed study of this chapter before we conclude it. I want to review verses 1 through 4. The title was Spiritual Warfare. Spiritual Warfare mirrors the earthly warfare for the kingdom we saw that there exists an invisible heavenly kingdom where a war is raging. That's why Jesus spoke of his kingdom being not of this world. Here in the 11th chapter of Daniel, we're faced with the revelation that an unseen reality exists, and there's an epic struggle going on in this reality. But the kingdoms of this world will ultimately give way to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We see this in Revelation 19 that Jesus Christ, who is coming back to take his inheritance, will reappear in Revelation 19 on this earth. The entrance of this eternal kingdom of Christ was first announced by John the Baptist and then declared by Jesus Christ himself, uh, speaking of his kingdom arising on the earth. So we saw a direct connection of the kingdoms of this world with invisible rulers in the heavenlies and even Satan himself and that ultimately Christ, who was victorious at Calvary over Satan, will come again one day back to earth to consummate his victory and take full possession of his earthly kingdom, and he will rule for a literal thousand years from Jerusalem. That's lesson number one. Number two is verses 5 through 12 on God's sovereignty. We saw God's purposes will be accomplished through the struggle for the kingdoms. We saw the profound truth that God controls human history as sovereign God, that he will accomplish his purposes through the struggle. When we speak of God as sovereign, we're speaking of the exalted position of supreme authority with undisputed ascendancy as God who is paramount and who possesses supreme power that is unlimited in extent exercising absolute power over the universe. But ultimately, we saw in this passage that the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God who is in control of human history will bring human history to its proper conclusion and prophesied conclusion, and that everything would be accomplished exactly as the angel predicted to Daniel. And in lesson number three, we saw God's prophetic markers. God's prophetic markers prepare us for the end times. The comforting truth revealed in this passage is that God has given us prophetic markers to point to the time of the end prepares prepare us for what's coming. There's the marker of the battle for control of Israel, and then there's a marker in the move to conquer Egypt, and then there's a marker in the rise of Rome. We see in the end times the revived Roman Empire will play a key part in the events, particularly from Revelation 17. Once again, Biblical prophecy comes alive with prediction and then fulfillment concerning the nations of the world, and particularly of Israel. Israel will play a key part at the time of the end, and the reforming of the nation of Israel in May of 1948 was the most significant prophetic marker, perhaps in 19th centuries, cluing us into the impending fulfillment of the events surrounding the rise of the world ruler. This marker will be critical as we zero in on the events surrounding Israel presently and in the future. And then the fourth lesson, verses 21 through 35, we saw the foreshadow of the Antichrist. The prefigure of the coming Antichrist appears in this passage. So how do we recognize the coming Antichrist? There there we studied seven prophetic clues from this ancient Seleucid king, Antiochus Epiphanes. We saw that The clue, number one, the prefigure of the Antichrist is a vile person. We saw clue number two, the prefigure of the Antichrist used sinister schemes to advance his kingdom. Number three, the prefigure of the Antichrist garnered support through political bribery. The fourth clue is the prefigure of the Antichrist has a heart bent on evil. The fifth, the prefigure of the Antichrist shall be enraged against the holy people of God and we're going to see that as we study the antichrist from Revelation as we see the war that he launched against the holy people of God and we saw it with Antiochus and then number 6 the prefigure of the antichrist shall desecrate the temple with an abomination this is perhaps the most significant marker that predicts what the future world leader will do the antichrist will set up an abomination and the Holy Temple of Jerusalem. Jesus himself prophesied about this in Matthew 24. And then number seven, the prefigure of the Antichrist engages in a spiritual war between the saints and himself, the satanic ruler. This foreshadows the spiritual war between God's children and the devil's ruler. And then last week, we saw in verses 36 through 39, the unveiling of the Antichrist. This was detailing for us the coming dictator and what he will be like. This passage reveals that the Antichrist will be a willful and cruel ruler. The Antichrist will exalt himself as God. The Antichrist will acknowledge a new God of fortresses, and the Antichrist will prosper until the end of the tribulation. The scriptures clearly refer to a man who will rise to the pinnacle of authority in the world and will rule over the world in the future. And this passage that's before us today predicts his end. So I want to take a moment, and I want to look at Daniel chapter 11, and we're going to uh, look at the passage that we're studying in Daniel 11, speaking about uh, the um, focus on who this guy is, and what is going to be his end, when we... Read Daniel, it coincides with the other prophecies, Ezekiel and Revelation, about the Antichrist. And so, basically, this is what the scripture says beginning in verse 40. It says, At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, but the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen and with many ships. And he shall come in two countries and shall overflow and pass through. He shall come into the glorious land, and tens of thousands shall fall, but these shall be delivered out of his hand. Edom and Moab and the main part of the Ammonites, he shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and of silver, And all the precious things of Egypt and the Libyans and the Cushites shall follow in his train. But news from the east and the north shall alarm him. And he shall go out with great fury to destroy and devote many to destruction. And he shall pitch his uh, palace tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end with none to help him. The final end of the Antichrist. The final end of the Antichrist will occur after the turmoil of the tribulation. What can we learn about the final end of the Antichrist? There's five developments that I want to detail out from this text about the end of the Antichrist. Number one, the Antichrist will sweep through the Middle East. The phrase says, at the time of the end. This details for us the clear end of the career of the antichrist it details for us what's going to happen to him and when we look at the text it says at the time of the end of the the king of the south shall attack him and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind the backdrop for this sequence of events is that the antichrist will make a peace treaty with israel However, the scripture predicts here in verse 40 that the king of the south, which in today's geopolitical terms means Egypt and her allies, including Libya and Sudan, will attack the northern kingdom, which will likely be modern Syria with Damascus as capital, or possibly Turkey with Antioch as capital, which is currently under Turkish control. The response of this powerful ruler of the northern kingdom, who, the Antichrist, who, according to prior prophecies in Daniel and other prophecies, will most likely come from Italy or Europe, and the response will be swift. The armies of the Antichrist will steamroll through the countries of the Middle East like Hitler did in the early years of World War II. His navy, with many ships and his ground troops and air force, will move and converge on the area of the Middle East in great swiftness. This military effort will jumpstart the conquest of the Antichrist to assume control of not only the whole region, but extending his power to the entire world. This power over the world will derive from his control over buying and selling, as described in Revelation 13, known to us as the Mark of the Beast. Uh, but then in this prophecy we see the antichrist as a military leader who moves with remarkable power over the egyptian coalition the second development is we see the antichrist will invade israel verse 41 he shall also enter the glorious land and many countries shall be overthrown but these shall escape from his hand edom moab and the prominent people of ammon what we see in this verse is that israel will invade be invaded by the Antichrist and that Israel will be in a peace treaty with the Antichrist for the first three and a half years. We see in another prophecy that that peace treaty is eventually going to be broken, uh, but he does enter the glorious land, the Antichrist does, and we need to grasp this about Israel. Israel, in many ways, is the key to understanding biblical prophecy. And the war that this prophecy describes puts the nation of Israel into the epicenter of it all. The name of Israel here in the scriptures is the glorious land. This describes the glory of God and the purpose of God that he has for this relatively small piece of real estate. So it's not the natural beauty that makes Israel glorious, but the divine favor and the glory that God has put upon the land. The prophet Ezekiel in chapters 38 and 39 speak about Israel during this time period of the seven-year tribulation. Uh, at the very beginning of the future seven-year tribulation period, the Antichrist will enforce a strong covenant with Israel, just as we saw in Daniel nine twenty-seven. It will so strongly bind Israel to the Antichrist that he will regard that nation as an extension of himself and his empire in the Middle East. As a result, through that covenant, the Antichrist will guarantee Israel's national security. This guarantee will cause Israel to feel so safe and secure that it will most likely discontinue the costly burden of maintaining its defenses. But this feeling of security will not last long. However, in the middle of the tribulation, we know from prophecy the Antichrist will begin to desolate Israel. Thus the nation will feel safe and secure only during the first half of the seven-year tribulation. It appears then that the invasion of Israel, perhaps by Russia and its allies, will take place during the first half of the tribulation right about the midpoint. So the, the essence of this prophecy is that the Antichrist will not only invade Israel, he will set up a tremendous agreement with Israel, but we know that there will be a major invasion in Israel sometime during the tribulation, perhaps at the midpoint. And that uh, these nations, for some reason, right around Israel, Edom, Moab, and Ammon will not be invaded. We can discern that that many nations uh, will be invaded by the Antichrist in the Middle East, but maybe these nations, which equates to modern-day Jordan, will just submit to the Antichrist and will not be invaded by his army. So the third development is the Antichrist will conquer Egypt and North Africa. The nation of Egypt, in coalition with Libya and Ethiopia and Sudan, will be conquered by the armies of the Antichrist. Verses 42 and 43, he says, He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. Finally, after 2,200 years, this victory completes what Antiochus, the king of the north, attempted 2,200 years ago, a complete victory over the kingdom of the south. It's very likely the North African countries will then be assimilated under the rule of the Antichrist at this point. And since the southern kingdom initiated the attack, the humiliation of defeat will be bitter for the Egyptian coalition, including the ransacking of their treasures of gold and silver locked up in their vaults. That's the third development. The fourth development is the Antichrist will muster all his forces for a final battle. The scripture says, but, verse 44, news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. The Antichrist will get word perhaps his military is under attack. Something happens to alarm the Antichrist, so he pulls all his allies together into a battle that is unlike any other. When we combine the picture of what we know from Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel, we get a picture of a phenomenal battle in Israel. We're told in Ezekiel 38 through 39 that the nations of Gog and Magog will invade Israel, which equates to certain... Islamic countries, and people groups above the Caucasus Mountains, which are in southern Russia. It's likely that Iran and Russia and possibly China will combine with other nations to evade Israel in coalition with the Antichrist. It appears then that this invasion will take place sometime during the first half of the tribulation. But in any case, we know that they're going to meet in Israel And that it's likely this is going to be at Armageddon, the Valley of Megiddo. This is what Billy Graham says. The armies of the world will focalize on a point known as Armageddon, the Mount of Megiddo. And I've been to Megiddo. It's in the edge of the Jezreel Valley, a beautiful, large valley. And Megiddo, the ancient city of Megiddo, is central to this prophecy. There... The final world conflict will take place. The extent of this conflict is indicated in the ninth chapter of Revelation where the army that is to cross the Euphrates River is described. In that chapter, the immensity of this final war is carefully described. In fact, it notes that there will be 200 million men in this army crossing the Euphrates, invading Israel. We are aware of the shuffling of the the stage in preparation for the greatest battle of all time that will certainly take place in the years ahead. The crisis of the present hour should shatter the optimism concerning human nature of every person listening to my voice. The only reliable hope for the future must be bound up in a living faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We know the Antichrist will muster all his forces for that final battle and then the Fifth development is the Antichrist will meet his end suddenly. The Bible says he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end and no one will help him. The area between the seas and the glorious holy mountain, which is the mountain in Jerusalem where the temple is situated, is the valley of Megiddo. That's the Jezreel Valley. This is between the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea. This valley has been named by Napoleon as the most perfect battleground on the face of the earth. The Jezreel Valley is over 20 miles long and triangular in shape with 15 miles wide on one side and 15 miles wide on the other side of the triangle. Here is believed that the great battle of Armageddon will take place. In fact, Revelation 19 tells us what's going to happen. It says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And of course, this can be no one but the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the the flesh of the captains, the flesh of the mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slaves, small and great. And I saw the beast, and this is reference to the Antichrist, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet. Who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image? These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. The final end of the Antichrist will be like this he will suddenly be taken alive. By the returning Lord Jesus Christ and will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. And all the others in the Jezreel Valley will be killed by the sword of Jesus Christ. And the birds will eat their corpses. According to the prophet Ezekiel, it will take seven years to clean up the debris from that great battle. Friend, let me tell you, there is an end to the Antichrist. And the Lord Jesus will accomplish this just as prophesied. So the question remains, am I ready for the finally and am I ready for these troublesome times and for the return of Christ? Have I trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins? You can be prepared today by simply turning to Christ in faith, humbling your heart in prayer and turning to Jesus Christ to save your soul by his sacrifice, trusting in his blood for the forgiveness of your sins and receiving Christ into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And then God will write your name in his heavenly book of life when you come to him in faith. If you feel right now afraid and have never trusted Jesus Christ, just offer this simple prayer right now to Jesus, seeking his forgiveness and his salvation. Pray these words. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I want to turn from my sins. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sins. And that you raised him to life on the third day. I want him to come into my heart. And to take control of my life. I want to trust Jesus as my savior. And follow him as my Lord. From this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen. Now let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, you hear every heart cry, every single utterance from our heart to you. And as you move across this land and across this world to bring awareness of our need for you in these hours that lie ahead, the approaching time of Jacob's trouble, I pray that the gospel will reach the hearts of every person on the face of the earth according to your master plan, that all nations will hear, and then the end will come. That those that pray this prayer, Lord, you will just come into their heart through the Holy Spirit, fill them with the Holy Spirit of God, that they'll be born of your Spirit, they'll receive the joy of their salvation, they'll receive the joy of heaven's existence forever and ever, and they will receive their eternal life that only jesus christ you give i pray you will protect them from satan that you'll make them strong in christ and strong in the word and that you'll make them soldiers for you lord we thank you for the gospel for it is true and it is the power of god to salvation and lord prepare us for these end times that we'll be a people walking in faith walking in the spirit and walking in obedience serving you no matter what and i pray all these things in jesus name Amen. So friend, remember today that God is in control and he will accomplish what he said he's going to do. The wicked dictator of the Antichrist will be judged by Almighty God. So just trust in Jesus. Trust in his word. Pray in faith and lean on his strength and he will carry you all the way. And until next week, God bless you. Thank you for listening to Chris May this ministry touch your heart, encourage you, and strengthen you. And may the Lord bless you in your spiritual walk this week. So, on behalf of the Gretzky family,
1: we invite you back next week, Friday at 10 a.m. on WPTL as we spread the good news of Jesus.